Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Jennifer McClure. Jennifer is a fine art photographer whose work explores relationships, family, solitude, and she often uses her own experiences to explore her own identity. I really have a great deal of respect for Jennifer's work as it's very vulnerable and explores topics that all humans deal with but are often not comfortable talking about. Jennifer has a new exhibit up at the Leica Gallery in Boston, Massachusetts that will be up through January. And she also has an upcoming workshop at the Leica Gallery in Boston on December 8th, which will focus on documenting family, self-portraiture, as well as building intentionality in one's work. Um, so definitely go check that, out, check that out if you're interested. I'll put all the links in the descriptions. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and thanks so much for listening. All right. Well, now welcome on uh, Jennifer McClure. Uh, excited to talk to you, Jennifer. So thanks for taking the time to do this. Of course. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. And uh, congrats. You have a brand new exhibit at the Leica Gallery in Boston, which just opened up, I think, what, two weeks ago? Um, I've lost track of time. <laughs> yeah. About a week and a half ago. Yeah. I saw the opening. The prints looked amazing. Um, what was kind of your approach when kind of putting that exhibit together, I guess? Um. Wow. It was hard to put it all together because I've been making photos pretty much constantly since I got pregnant. And I was having a hard time making sense of them all and figuring out a good flow there. And luckily, the curator had a pretty clear vision. So she helps me go through the hundreds and hundreds that I submitted to her. Awesome. And then like looking at your website, you've exhibited your work all over the place, uh, a lot of exhibits and whatnot. How is that process? I, that's something different to me. I've never shown my work in a gallery or anything. Like when you show your work, is it kind of always a collaboration with wherever you're showing it at? Is it kind of uh, just your input or like what's that kind of relationship usually like? It all depends. Most of the shows I've been in have been group shows. Mm hmm. So it could be a lot of people submitting up to 30 photographers with one or two photographs from each. A couple other things that I've submitted to, they pick maybe five photographers. So you have more photos per exhibit. And usually when you submit to something like that, like I submitted to something at the Ogden Museum in New Orleans, it's called Currents. And so you pick out the photos you want to submit and then whoever puts the show together, in this case, it was Alexa Dilworth, she picks which photos will go in the show. Oh, nice. This is the first time I've had this much input and this many photos in one place. Yeah, how is that? How is that? Yeah, because it is a really nice gallery. I think your show is open until, I think, almost end of January. So it's up for a few months. Or So anybody in the Boston area, you can go to Leica store. It's right in downtown Boston. Um yeah, kind of. With that show, like, did you did you print everything yourself, or like, how's that kind of work? Because the prints looked amazing. The prints were done by Digital Silver Imaging, and I'm in New York. They're in Boston, so I wasn't able to go up in person and proof the prints. But I would send them the files. They would send me a test print, and then I would work on the files more at home. And I do have a printer at home, and I hadn't used it in a while, and I realized this is important. Bring out the printer. And so I made match prints. 
Oh, wow. So that I knew what they would look like. And how is kind of the reception of the work? Because as a photographer, as you know, especially with your work, it's very much just about your life. It's really just you. And then when you go show the work, there's people show up. Or what was kind of the response? Were there like any common questions people had the, the night the show opening or anything that, that kind of surprised you? Like people's just kind of um, however they viewed the work or whatnot, I guess. Well, it's a strange process because, you know, I make most of these photos just me and my kid or me and my husband alone in our apartment or maybe outside somewhere. It's a very private process. And I post them a few, but not many on Instagram. And it's just all very closed in. And it was very strange to put it all out there on the walls to and to hear what people thought of all the photos. Because it is like putting my diary out there for everybody to read. Yeah, you have guts. That's why I'm excited to talk to you because there's actually some projects that I really relate to and I'm really excited to talk to you about it. Like, have you always been comfortable just putting yourself out there? Like, it's very vulnerable work. And then especially, like I've always said, because I mostly, I just do assignment work. I've never done a show in the gallery. Like, the idea of like putting my work, especially personal work like you do on a gallery and then having a show and people coming, that gives me anxiety. <laughs> so that's after you'd be able to do that. Yeah, I have not always worked this way at all. At all. Um, I was talking to a student about this last night. I actually started out doing black and white. Um, I learned on film and it was all very sort of documentary approach, uh, you know, street photography, portraits, but not anything that was about me at all. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, when did that change? When it changed, it really changed. And I think it actually, sorry, you're making me think it's a very good question. No, no, take your time. We're in no rush. <laughs> but I think it was, I did a project when I quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And that was about, oh my gosh, 18 years ago. And so I did a project on other people who identified as drinkers and drug addicts. And I just sat with them and I hung out with them and we talked and I made photos. And that's when I realized, oh, all of these photos are about me. Every single one of these, it's a self-portrait basically. And then shortly after I got sick, I was tired all the time and it took a while to diagnose. Uh, I didn't have health insurance. I worked in restaurants. So it was, it just, it took a minute going through the clinics. And at that point I started doing self-portraits because I couldn't really get out of the house. And that was a big turning point for me to realize I could work through some angst and some discomfort and feel productive by making this this sort of work. And now is it even at this point, because uh, it's, it's really cool, like, and I'll put the link in, people can go check out your work on your website. It's so interesting. It's like very much, it's like biographical, like you can see like the project where you're single and you're talking about being single and then it goes into like, then you get pregnant and then now you have a daughter. And it's like, it's like the progression of life. Now that you made that transition being more open, like, is it easier for you now to this kind of put yourself out there? Are you just used to it at this point or even now when you're making very 
intimate work is it still sometimes uh nerves of putting it out there i guess at this point i know that it does more good than harm to me personally to put work like this out there because i feel like the whole point of making any kind of artwork no matter what it is is to connect with other people or to tell a story and whenever I do put the really personal work out there, that's when people reach out to me and want to talk about their own stories. And that happened a lot, actually, at the gallery show. A lot of people coming to me and talking about wanting to be a mother, not wanting to be a mother. It opens up communication. Yeah, because it's like there's all these things as a human being that we all go through. And but for whatever reason, they're like taboo to talk about. But we all have these like similar feelings. And that's why, like, I really related, especially to like the single project um, where you photographed like people that have this been single. And in the bio, you kind of talk about like most of your life. I think you said up until like your 40s, like you're pretty much just single. And I just really that because that's kind of how I've been. I haven't had a ton of relationships. And it's like, yeah, almost like I don't know about you. But I started to feel like, is there something wrong with me? I'm like. And it, it, in in the thing in your bio, you're like, you would ask the question like, is a romantic relationship a necessary aspect of being a human being? I guess with that project in particular, what was kind of your goal with the project? And like, did you kind of learn anything just making that work? I learned so much making that work, so much. Because um, I hit a point where I thought, so this is my life, I'm single, mm -hmm. I'm just there's a certain part of life that's not meant for me, and maybe that's fine. Yeah. And I thought, let's really look at this. Let's look at all the positives. Let's look at the negatives. Like, let's do some research. Let's gather research on what it's like. And there were so many positive things that people told me about being single. And I thought, if this is the rest of my life, it's really not that bad. Mm -hmm. But there were also a lot of people who said they'd never been in a relationship because they were afraid. And I kept hearing this over and over, and I realized that was me. Like, I'd always picked people who I knew didn't want to have a relationship back with me, mm -hmm. like self-sabotaging the entire time, because that way I could just live in my head. And so I realized towards the end of this, I thought I realized that at the end of my hotel series, but I really realized it at the end of the singles project. And I thought, you know, if the reason I haven't been in a relationship is because I'm afraid, then I need, I can't live with that for the rest of my life. I have to try, have to give it an effort. And I had been seeing actually Brad sort of on and off, not very often. And I just reached a point where I said to him, you know, I wish you all the best. I don't think you want a relationship and that's great for you. I have nothing but good feelings for you, but I need to find one. I need to try. Yeah. And then shortly after we got engaged. <laughs> well, well, what changed there? Like what do your mind, the, uh, it, this, yeah, this, I guess you just, looking back now because like you said you spent most of your life single and then i guess what's your perspective now like you because that's what i think about all the time myself it's like because i don't know 
I got a lot of questions. It's like, <laughs> da- like d- dating now is like so weird because it's like turned into like uh, with all the apps and stuff and like how people meet. It's turned into like a fast. It feels like fast food. Like you can just go through the drive through and get whatever. But I guess like now being on the other side of it and having a relationship and getting married and having a kid. How do you look back about how do you look back at your mindset before? Were you, do you think you were just like, just not open mind? Yeah. I think I was, well, again, I picked people who I knew weren't right for me. But I also like when I would go on a couple of dates, I feel like I was overly critical, you know, nitpicking. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy drank too much water at dinner. <laughs> and say thank you to the waitress, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I'd be like, that's it. And (laughs) I think, you know, I've learned to be, to look at the big picture now rather than the little things. But I do feel like you're right. It's a very fast food sort of dating situation. And I feel like people these days will find that one thing wrong, like I would do, and then move on to the next. And what I've learned is that relationships actually take time. Like, you really got to get to know each other. You've got to see each other's flaws and decide, I can live with that. Like, there's enough that's great that makes me want to stay, which he was, I'm sure, doing with me as well, you know? And even, like, when I look at your work and read some of, like, the artist statements and whatnot for the projects, maybe I'm wrong. Cause even like, uh, like being single and then like trying to find a relationship or like becoming a mother and like part of it, you were like, I might be, I might regret it. Like becoming a mother. Do you think, cause I think as humans, even myself, I don't think we like change. A lot of people, do you think that's part of it? Like going from being single for so long, it's just like habits or like, we're scared of like the next chapter of like being a mother. And now, like, what's your what's your perspective on change now that you've been able to make the leap into doing, like, these big changes in your life? I'm more open to it, but it took me forever. Yeah. Because I don't know about you, but I was a bit anxious, you know, growing up and and definitely once I got sober. And I felt like if I could look around at my life and go, okay, I have the job situation down, have the apartment. Uh, I can make art where like if I if I could categorize everything and keep it where it was, yeah, it felt safe. And so it's hard to let go of these things and let them become whatever they will be. And I'm much better at it now, but in the beginning, it just felt insane. Yeah, I could read that in the stuff. I was like, maybe I'm wrong because anybody listening, I've never met you before, never talked to you before. Like, it, you could tell just from the artist statements and the stuff you're going through in your life, it seems like, you, would you say, you want to control everything, like you're kind of saying. like, and But then I think, realize, at least for me, the older I get, you really don't have as much control over your life as you think. Certain things, but, like, a lot of, like, especially, like, uh, career shit, like, obviously you got to work hard or whatever, but there's, like, so many things, at least for, I think, you don't even have that much control. So I try to just be open, you know? And then, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it. And the thing is, if you maintain control the entire time, then you always know the outcome. You're guaranteeing an outcome. That is exactly what you imagined. But 
if you open yourself up to these changes and put yourself out there in a different way, like you have no idea what's going to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Which has just been incredible. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next. It's like now, like I said, you're in, uh, you're married, you have a child. How different is it? Because when you're single, like you said, for so long, like you just create scenarios in your head. Like, what do you think about your life now? Like being in a relationship, do you feel like your life is richer? Like having a child, it there's it did it just kind of open a new door for you? Like, how do you how do you feel about your life being able to like look at both sides of the track? I guess now. Well, I think the part that I love about it now is the part that terrified me that we just talked about, which is that the constant change. But that has been really incredible. And I feel like it sounds like such a cliche to say, you know, I went through all this stuff and then it was a happy ending. I got married and had a kid because that's not how it was at all. And there is no happy ending. There's just change. Yeah. But I feel like in letting other people into my life and in giving part of myself to people in a way that I never really had before. I mean, that that's the part that's been the most uh, life-changing isn't the right word. That's been such a revelation is that what you get back mm-hmm. when you give that much of yourself is pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. We're, we're going deep on this one. I appreciate it. We are. And it, 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 it is great, though. Like, I really appreciate your work. So I was like, man, like, I feel like this in my mind, but I don't talk about this with anybody. And even, like, talking about it here is, like, crazy to me. Like, I normally wouldn't talk about this shit. So it's good. Uh, well, I have to tell you, for the first, you know, 33 years of my life, until I got sober, I never talked about any of this stuff. Yeah. I just pushed everything down, pushed it all down. And now that I have started talking about it and I see that it's fine, mm-hmm. you can talk about it. Yeah, it makes you real. Other people relate to you. Like if you say the things some people might be afraid to say or admit, like it gives other people permission to be honest with themselves too. Yeah, we're all trying to like, it is weird part about being human, especially like with work and life or whatever, like there's, Everyone's like putting up this like facade. Not everybody, but a lot. Everyone does it in. I do. I feel like everyone, in a certain degree, people are putting up this like, "Hey, I got. I'm professional. I'm like, I'm happy all the time. Like, I'm doing this." But in reality, it's like, no. Like, like the last two days, like I was just kind of like not feeling that great. Like, this kind of in a rut, and it's just that's just part of life. It's just like the ups and downs. So it's like, I appreciate your work because it's just like. uh it's it's comforting. It's 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 it, we're all it's the human experience, you know. Yeah, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> uh, I guess to go back, like, where do you grow up, and like, how do you first discover photography? Um, my dad was a marine, so I grew up all over. And when we lived in Japan, when I was in, I think first grade, he got a a, a Pentax K1000. Damn classic, classic, and. He used to sometimes give it to me and my brother to run out and finish out a roll of film. And I just remember holding it in my hands and just knowing that it was it was something special. Like I could create something. And the waiting for the photos to come back, I had never felt excitement like that before. 
And so as we moved around, my dad, instead of letting me use his, got me uh, the disc man. Do you, did you ever oh, see them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are kind of a nightmare. I went back and looked at the negatives. You can't do anything with those. They're just these little <laughs> tiny things. I was going to scan them in. But so every time we moved, I would just make photos and photos and photos, and I'd put them all up on the wall. And my dad did this thing where he had two big cork boards. And so he would just move the whole cork board every time we moved. And it helps me make sense of my life because it's a little traumatic moving that much. Yeah, how many times did you move growing up? Oh, my gosh. Maybe 12? I I should know this number more clearly. That's wild. Yeah. What was your being, I would assume maybe this is like a stereotype. It was your dad being a Marine. Was he a super strict parent? Like, yeah. Well, he was also a judge. Oh, shit. All right. Damn. You got the double. <laughs> you ain't getting away with shit. <laughs> yeah. And then I, when I went to college, I remember I tried to take a photo class, but the only photo class for non-majors, you always had like a line around the block because everybody wanted to take it. Mm-hmm. And I sort of let it go, but I did take photos for the local paper. Um, that was the University of Florida, so with the independent Florida alligator. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, and I learned how to do a bit of darkroom there, which was amazing. And then I sort of let it go until around, I think I had just turned 30. And, you know, when you turn 30, you do a big, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> and I thought that was what made sense to me. I want to go back to that. Because well, yeah. what did you go to college for? You're, you said you were in school. Like, what were you studying? English theory and criticism. Oh, dang. You got to make, make b- big bucks in that r- racket. Big bucks. Yeah. <laughs> what did you, like, w- what did you think you were going to do, like, when you were studying English, I guess? I thought I was going to be a professor. Mm. And then I started spending time with some of my professors. And maybe I just spent time with the wrong professors because I know it's, you know, it's a big world out there. But they didn't seem very happy at all. Yeah, academia. I mean, I never worked in, it, but I have friends who work in it, and this sounds like I don't know, a lot of ego and just like just a lot of bullshit. Like, I mean, I don't know every school is like that, but like this here, friends they talk about, it sounds miserable. It seems like it was, and I'm sure there was also a fair amount of fear thrown in there. You know, I had imposter syndrome from a very young age. I think everybody has it at some point. Yeah. But even then, I thought, no, I can't do that. Everybody will find out that I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, but they, no one has anything figured out. It's a... no one. I didn't know that then, though. In my <laughs> mind, everybody else had it all figured out. Yeah. Um. What did you do when you got out of college? I was waiting tables. Yeah. And bartending. And at one point, one of my best friends moves up to New York. And so I figured if I don't know what I'm doing with my life, why not do that in New York mm-hmm. where anything is possible? Yeah. So I get prepared. I always check out people's LinkedIn and you've done a lot of great stuff, photography, but I actually love talking about this stuff because I had a lot of random ass jobs before I was able to make photography at my living. Yeah, you were like a bartender at the famous Balthazar in, in, I was. 
how, how was that experience? And is there anything you learned looking back on it now that you think has been like useful to like your life, I guess? I mean, there was a lot that was useful. Yeah. It was intense. It was definitely intense. And I was also, you know, they had one female bartender before who lasted a couple weeks. So I was their first like full-time female bartender. And that was a lot. Um, I could go into so much detail about that. Because <laughs> were were you making were you making your living in New York? You're bartending. Were you at that point? Were you making photos on the side? Or did you even know what you wanted to do at that point? Or you're just kind of living in New York, just getting by, pretty much. Well, I started doing photographs when I was at Indochine. I had two bartending jobs and waiting jobs that were like ten years each. And so I was at Indochine when I started, and then I left because I needed just a change. It had been 10 years, and then went to Balthazar. So I had already been making photos at that point. And I had been taking classes up until then, and I started really making photos more seriously on the side when I was first at Balthazar. And the thing about Balthazar that was great was that I could work three days a week and make enough money to let me do the art on the other days. Mm-hmm. And that was the, that was the best part about that job. And just meeting so many people and learning how to talk to people and learning how to find connections with people. That was throughout my waiting tables and bartending career. Oh, that's, that's good to hear because I, I worked in restaurants. I worked at Longhorn Steakhouse for a while. I worked at like an Italian restaurant. It was kind of the same thing. Like I was just doing whatever I could not to get like a regular nine to five. <laughs> it was like I was working nights and weekends just like keep my shit in the middle and make my own work. Um, but what what kind of work were you making at that point? Um, at that point, I was starting the hotel series. Okay. That I did that you who never arrived. So I started that. I think when I first started at Balthazar. What was that project all about? That was a project that really surprised me. Um, I thought that I was dating all the wrong men, and so I thought, let me look back at all these men and see what they have in common. There has to be a common denominator there. And this way, I can avoid that going forward. And so I would reenact the breakup that I had. Oh, how do you do that? That's Okay, this is interesting. It was fascinating. So, you know, I would meet some... The first one was actually inspired by a Raymond Carver short story called Gazebo, in which a couple locks themselves in a motel room with a bottle of booze to hash out their relationship and whether they're going to stay together or split up. And so that was the original spark for this. And I thought, I can take that and use that. And the hotel rooms appealed to me because they were devoid of any sentimental artifacts or identifiers, like no family photos, no clothes, no pets. So it would look very unlived in, which is how I felt like I was doing my relationships. Because again, none of them lasted more than a couple, few months. And so for the first one, we were acting out that 
short story, sort of. And then afterwards, I would have somebody, I would ask somebody to come and do it, explaining what was up. And I would tell them, okay, this is who you are. This was what happened. And this is how I sort of want it to look. And we would start out doing the ideas, because I always try to come to a shoot with three ideas. And then see what happens after that. And when you say when you say ideas, is that like a visual thing? Is that like a, like what do you mean by that? I sort of mean body language in the in the beginning because I never knew what the hotel rooms would look like exactly. Uh, I would look on a lot of websites and I'd see a room and I'd go, "Oh, that's perfect!" And I book the room and they show up and they put me in a different room sometimes. I started out at the Chelsea Hotel, where all the rooms were automatically always different. So I couldn't always visualize the space, but I would think about whether we were far apart, whether somebody was standing, somebody sitting. And who were the people you were finding to be a part of this project? Was it like people you knew or just random people? Or People I knew. I tried it one time with the stranger, and it did not work. Well, well actually, it, it, two times. One time did not work at all. It was somebody I found through an ad because I thought, let's just try. And that didn't work. But another time I went to Paris just for a trip on my own. And a friend knew a friend who lived there who had a friend who was an actor. And that friend brought over this lovely gentleman. His name is Thomas. And she translated and explained to him what I had in mind and then left. And he and I acted all this out without even speaking the same language. And that's one of my favorite shoots, actually. Is this where, is this where, because it's not on your website now. Is there anywhere where you can see it? That particular shoot, I think, is on the website. Is it? What's the, it's... Yeah, it's You Who Never Arrived. Okay, got it here. Uh... But a lot of times it was people I knew and I would explain to them what it was. Damn. So what did you, I guess, like going into this, what was your goal to project? And is there anything you learned? Because uh, it's very interesting here. It's like you're, and the thing you say in your bio, you use your camera to answer questions. Like if you're trying to like figure out your life, you're very like trying to figure out what's going on up there. Uh, what was kind of your goal with the project and what do you kind of learn uh, making this work? Well, my question was, what do all these men have in common so that I could then avoid it? And then when we were putting together the final edits for this work, I realized, oh, it's me. I'm what they all have in common. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, yeah you, you forgot that a relationship is two people, not just one. <laughs> it's so simple. <laughs> So simple. And I was so surprised. And like when we did the final edit, I noticed I had put myself in the middle in most of these photos, front and center. And I realized that's what went wrong with all these relationships is that they were so much better in my head than they were in person. Like I preferred that fantasy part of it over the reality. Yeah. And that was a tough lesson. Yeah. And uh, how long did you work on this project for? And that's the other thing I'm always curious is like projects, like how do you know when it's done? Is there ever projects where you started and it's just 
doesn't pan out the way you thought it was going to pan out or like i guess uh, how do you approach the project work because that's like most of your work is kind of project-based it looks like it is yeah most of the projects are around three years which isn't something i plan on it just seems to be that's how long it takes me to learn what i need to learn Mm -hmm. except for the pregnancy one which was nine months even though i didn't actually photograph the beginning of that one at all just because we didn't know what, yep. what what was going to happen there, what we were going to do. Um, but most of them, I know when I'm done because I can't stand thinking about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And because I feel like, okay, I got it. And usually it's that final writing process where I realize, okay, this is what's going on. I see it now. It's very clear. And sometimes after that part, I might need to make a few more photographs to visually tie up to make sure it's visually doing the work I need it to do. But usually, yeah, I'd say three years. Right. And then have you always been like so introspective about your life? Because uh, I find I had this conversation with my friend Lisa recently, like, like all you get, you're just like busy with your life. <laughs> like You're just like being at work and now you have a kid and like, you almost don't even have time to step back and think about your life sometimes. Like, you know what I mean? I definitely don't have time to. That's why I have all these photos since she's been born. It's been five years and I have no idea what to make of all these or what they mean or even what I'm trying to say. And it's because I've just been going at life and making pictures when I can. So this is the first time where I'm working sort of without a project or an end date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, she just started kindergarten. And for the first time now, I actually have a few free hours in between. And I, I think I've just been resting. And, you know, I have teaching and other, and the show and other stuff. But I feel like now I can finally rest and kind of figure out, okay, who am I now? What am I even, what do I care about now? What's going on with me? Yeah, no, it's it's important. I try to do it the best I can, but... Sometimes I just feel like life's in fast forward. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes I just don't want to think about it, and I just want to binge watch a show and lose myself. <laughs> Check out. <laughs> uh, that's the other thing I was going to ask. Like, what's your approach to photography? Like, there's some photographers who are like, they always have a camera on them, they're shooting every day, or then there's photographers that won't shoot for a year and until they find something. Or like, how do you approach your work? Um. I feel like I used to, oh, my husband doesn't want to hear this, but I feel like I used to shoot a lot more at our old apartment because we had really great light that came in. (laughs) So I always had a camera here. And so I could just pick it up and make photos whenever I needed to. It was always right there. And um, he's so tired of hearing me complain about the light. But here we don't get as much light, so it's not happening that quickly. Yeah. So I'm having a harder time adjusting to this apartment and finding my photo schedule. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That part's in flux. But every year, right before her birthday, 30 days before, I, I do a project where I make photos every day for 30 days up until her birthday. Interesting. And that is actually, I don't know why I can't keep it up. It feels so amazing to make photos every day, even if it's just 10 on the way to the bus or the subway. Yeah. I feel like um, 
I always try to remind myself, like, we all spent, like, years, like, getting good at this skill of, like, taking pictures, and then it's just, like, if I'm not using it, I feel like such a loser. I'm, like, I feel like I get rusty, and then I'm, like, why did I spend all this time? I could just be making shit, you know? But but then at the same time, but then at the same time, it's, like, you can't, at least for me, I, I don't feel like I can force stuff, because when it's forced, then it's just, like, whatever. Like, it, if you're not inspired, you know? I don't know, though. And maybe it's a double-edged sword. Maybe I should push myself to just make stuff and see what happens, you know? Well, what I find happens when I do start to tell myself, you need to pick up your camera, time is passing, there are things you want to remember. When I do first pick it up, it does feel forced. Yep. And I generally don't make any pictures that I care about in that time. But what happens is because your mind is moving, because you're using those muscles, all by itself, your mind starts to find inspiration. Yeah, it's just like momentum. I think I think I've heard writers talk about that. Like they're just they might just sit down and write pages and pages just to get it going, but that doesn't mean you're actually gonna do anything with the photos. They can just, they'll just go straight in the trash, you know. Well, that's what I do. I give myself permission to just make a ton of photos that I might not care about or ever use for anything. They don't have to have a purpose. I'm just making them because it's like marathon runners. They don't train, 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 and then chill out and then run a marathon when it comes up. Yeah, and I think it's important to document your life. Like, I try to get better at that. Like, I'm not the best. I think it has gotten easier with iPhone and stuff because you always just got a camera on you. Like, I love the iPhone um, uh, just because, like, I love looking at photos, like, even just from, like, a couple years ago, like, I'm like, oh, damn, that I can remember, like, where I was in my life, like, the music I was listening to, like, what my mood was going through. And it's, like, it's cool to be able to, like, see the evolution, you know? It's, yes. Yeah. And then with your work, would because it's kind of documentary-based, do you use Photoshop? Like, do you view yourself as, like a, like, a photojournalist, whereas they don't mess with, like, they won't take stuff out? Uh, like, how do you kind of view how you edit your work? I don't do the photojournalist thing, but because I don't have patience to spend a lot of time in Photoshop, I try to get it right ahead of time. Like, I try, if there's any distractions, I try and move stuff around and I try and get the light right so I don't have to do a whole, you know. Layers upon layers upon layers. And like, I won't move people in and out of photos. It's not that complex. Mm -hmm. If I have to, there will be like some little smudges. That's the part I can do. Okay. But that's sort of, that's sort of the only stuff I take out. But that's why I like, honestly, the Leica. Not, I'm not trying to plug for them, but just to be... Honestly, <laughs> I have to do very little tweaking Yeah, the photos. And I think everybody has certain cameras where the colors just look right to them. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's that camera. Which one do you use? I use the SL2 okay. and the CL. Okay. And you mostly should work with like one lens or do you kind of switch? One lens. Which one? Yeah. Um. <laughs> It's the 24 to 70 on the SL2. Okay. And then the equivalent for the CL. 
It's a crop sensor, but it comes out to 2470. Nice. But I, when they first loaned me one of those, they gave me the 50. Okay. Which is just amazing. <laughs> it was so nice. But with the little one running around, I need to be able to get in and out quicker. Yeah. My kids don't move as fast as she does. And with the... Uh... Photographing your, I was actually talking to this, the last person I had on the podcast, and I was talking to my friend about this yesterday, photographing your child, like making it part of your work. It's in exhibits now. How do you approach that? Because it's, I know the photographer I interviewed this week, he, he was doing a project with his daughter, and then somewhere along the line, he just felt like weird about making it his work and like like monetizing it or whatever. How do you kind of approach that? Because it's like you're obviously your your child's a kid, but they're still a person. And who knows down the line if they'll like those photos being out there. Like, what's that conversation like for you? And I guess even with your husband and stuff. Like, how do you approach this, including such personal photos of like your child and your family? I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think about that all the time, and not so much when she was little, but now that she is getting older, I do think about that a lot. And I feel like the next project I do, I kind of want to not have... I'll still make photos of her all the time. Yeah. But I feel like the next project I want to do without her. Mm -hmm. um, because I think if there was ever a point in her life where she said, I don't want to be in these photos anymore. I want you to take them down. I don't want you to use them. I would do it. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like my relationship with her is more important than any career or aspiration. But that being said, there is work that's already out there, like, you know, in online publications. So I don't know what we could do about that. But what I do try to do is I don't show any photos of her that I think could be embarrassing later or awkward or strange. Like, I try and keep them in the area of love. And I remember I read something. Do you know Kristen Joy Emac? I know. She's a Boston photographer. Okay. She just had a book come out called Cousins, and it's of her daughters with their cousins growing up together. And somebody asked her her thoughts on photographing her, her child. And she said... You know, she wished when she was growing up that somebody had loved her enough to want to document all of this. And that, for me, it's all coming from love, from massive love. And I'm hoping that's what comes through in the photograph. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an inter interesting uh, thing. Have you always been, and do you photograph besides like your child and uh, Brad's in some of your photos? Do you photograph other members of your family? And is that something you've always been comfortable with? Because I actually struggle with that. I don't really photograph my family. Like, it's just like, I feel like if I broke out my kid, it would just be like, you'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it'd be like, <laughs> um, they're pretty comfortable when I make photos of them, like my parents. Like when I make photos of them with their grandkids, they're comfortable with the snapshotty sort of photos. Um, you know, I feel like there are some other issues I need to work out with my childhood, but I don't know if my parents would do that with me. Mm -hmm. 
you know, my, my, my mom is very proper Southern. Everything's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I make photos of her, it's always, you know, I, you can't see a smile on a podcast. But it's a it's the same smile in every photo. So I'm not getting the sort of acting that I like. I'm not getting the emotion that I like to capture. What, what do your parents think of your work? Like, because it's so, like you say, they're so proper. Like, your work's very vulnerable. You're putting yourself out there. Like, I'm sure they have, like, an opinion or whatever on some of the stuff because it's pretty, like, raw stuff. Well, the word weird has come up quite a bit. <laughs> Hey, weird. Nothing wrong. Weird. That's good. Interesting. Nothing really weird. <laughs> but I realized a long time ago that, uh, you know, I don't need their approval. Mm -hmm. I'm fine without it. Yeah. So I do the work that I need to make. Yeah, it's important. And did it take you a while to find your voice as a photographer? Like, do you feel like, obviously, looking at your work now, I guess it's it's always been this kind of documenting your life, but has your approach to photography or this the style changed much over the years, you think? I think absolutely. Um, you know, I started making the hotel series in 2008, but I actually started taking classes in 2001. So up until then... I had one class prior to that where I started doing self-portraits a bit. And I feel like I was feeling my way around. I didn't have a sense of light or composition or a style that worked for me. It took until around 2008 for me to realize, okay, this feels right to me. This light looks right to me. The scene looks right to me. The story's working. So it that was seven years. Wow. And uh, someone who you've taken, obviously, classes in photography. I know some people are self-taught. Some people go to school. Like, what's what's your, um, obviously, you teach, and you have a workshop coming up. Not to look like it again. If, uh, they're not paying us for this, but uh, you have a workshop coming up at Leica, I think, in December, where I think the it's about photographing family and stuff, right? Yeah, it's about photographing your family, but also if you choose to, how to put yourself in some of these photos. Mm -hmm. So how to make more dynamic photos of yourself and your family. Or, you know, if anybody wants to do self-portraits, we're covering all of that. I guess my question was, like, going, taking classes for photography, going to school for it, whatever, has it been beneficial to you? Do you think people need to do it? Like, what's your perspective? I think it was huge. Huge. I needed it because I needed assignments, first of all, to keep me motivated and to keep me going. If I had assignments, I would get it done. I would just keep making work. And so I took a lot of classes in a row because it kept me working. That's interesting to hear because your work, you're, you're, you don't really, I don't know, maybe you do. I don't, you don't really do assignment work now. You're, it's all personal. You're making it yourself. So that's kind of interesting to hear that you actually enjoyed the assignments back then. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why sometimes I start to get all hinky when I go too long without making photos. Yeah. It gets to me. Uh, but I definitely needed that. And I would, I would just take them as I figured out something else I needed to know. 
you know, at some point I knew I needed to learn lighting. So I took a lighting class, you know, and sometimes there would be a teacher who I really wanted to work with. But I think it was invaluable. And I did that for a while. And then I remember at one point I was talking to one of my teachers, um, Amy Arbus, who I was a TA for her for a while as well. And I said, I'm thinking of taking blah, 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 blah. And she said, stop. Stop. You need to make work and you need to be teaching. Yeah. And if nobody had said that to me, I'd probably still be taking classes. Yeah. That's interesting. But I feel like, so I had a conversation with a photographer who's really, uh, Victoria Will, who's a really accomplished photographer. She's really amazing. And it kind of blew my mind. She t- still takes classes at this point in her career, which I thought was badass because it was like, I don't know. Like, even myself, I'm like, oh, I'm working. I got, like, clients and shit. I guess I, I'm, like, shouldn't be taking classes anymore. Because I would imagine even if you're not taking classes now, you're teaching. You are you feel like you're still learning about photography and the craft at this point, maybe in a different way, but you're still evolving and learning, right? Yeah, the thing that I love about it is that as I'm putting together lectures to show the students, for me, it's a free pass to just look at work online for hours and hours and hours and to discover new photographers and new ways of working. Yeah. Where if I if I didn't have that as part of my job, again, I might be binge watching something on HBO <laughs> instead of working. And it's having that community. That's what I mean. That's how the reason I started this shit that I can still talk to people because once I got I went to photography school and that was the best part being around other photographers and kind of. They at least pushed me. I learned a lot. Could pick their brain, how they do it. But then once you leave, you're kind of just out on your own. And it's like if you don't have some type of community, I feel like I would just, I don't know, I'd be lost out there, you know? Yeah, you have to find your people. Yeah. I'm actually looking at some classes at ICP. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I want to take more, you know? And there's amazing photographers out there doing things I don't know how to do yet. Yeah, I took a... At RISD in Rhode Island, where near where I live, they have a really great continuing education course, and they have tons of courses. Not even just photography; like they got you can want to get into pottery, you want to get into drawing. And I took a bunch. Like I learned how to do like video editing, and it was cool learning. But it was actually like I was saying, it was a small class. So it was only six people, and it went for like three months. And like I became like friends. I look forward to it every week. It was like on Monday nights, and it was had like a crew of people. You're kind of it. It was just fun, you know. Yeah, I do know. This makes me want to definitely sign up for a <laughs> And are you are you someone, do you look at a lot of work, other photographers' work, or do you kind of just kind of stay in your lane? So do some photographers like getting inspired from other stuff? Some people like to kind of block it out so it's not like a distraction. Like what's your intake on uh, photography and art, I guess? I go through phases. I love to go see art in person because it makes me think, okay, if I were to put, my work up here, how would I do it? How would I frame it? How would I present it? How would I combine photos? Um, and I look at a lot online and it all depends on my state of mind because sometimes I can look at tons of work and get inspired. And, you know, I have a little folder that I keep of photos that inspire me. And I don't think it's about doing what someone else does. I think for me, I just look at them every now and then and I let it sit. And sometimes just a little thread will spark an idea in my own work. But there are some times where if I'm looking online at a lot of other people's work, I start to do that thing where I'm 
how I, you know, the compare and despair. Yeah, I'll yeah. never be that good. Look at what they're doing. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. <laughs> Sometimes I just have to put the phone down, not look at the computer, and just yeah, thing. Yeah, it's easy. That's uh, but it's, I've been talking about that with a lot of people more and more. It's like it's discomforting. No, everyone's like has that same thing. Like you just look at some, some person. I'm sure if I are like, damn, like how do I get in that gallery or how do I print for this publisher? Like. For me, it's like, how do I get in this magazine? Or like, what am I doing wrong? But it's like, no, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just everyone's on their own path and whatever comes your way, if it's going to come your way. And the fact is we have social media, so we're all more aware of what other people have going on. Yep. Um, and looking at your website, I know some of your stuff has been published, like Vogue and National Geographic. Uh, you had an interesting one in The New Republic. Do you do assignment work ever, or is that all this kind of personal work that you're um, um, pitching to publications, I guess? Well, most of it has been personal work. Uh, the people reached out to me and said, can we do something with this? And I feel like I haven't been aggressive with pursuing any sort of assignment work. But you're not opposed to it? Oh, my gosh. I'm absolutely not opposed to it. But I just haven't, like I said, she just started kindergarten. And I've kind of been trying to keep up for five years. And I feel like now I can regroup and say, okay, what are my goals here? What do I want to pursue? How much energy do I give to each of these? Because it is a process to try and get assignment work. You really got to reach out to people and build relationships and keep in touch. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a full-time business. Yeah, it's a lot. And I, I mean, to go back with photographing your child, uh, I noticed I have a, she's a niece. She's about to be five. And it's in the last year. She really become like a real person. Not that they weren't real, but like now she has like an opinion and she's even, and when I try to photograph her, I mean, it's cause just the day and age kids are nowadays. They almost like start to pose and stuff like has your child started to do that a little bit? Has the way you approach photographing your, your child changed? Uh, oh, my now? God. The faces <laughs> that she makes now. Like, yeah. she's just, like, mugging for the camera. And so we really have to talk to her. Just be Esme. I yeah. just knew to be Esme. Yeah. And it's funny. I just had to do this, like, behind-the-scenes video for the class that's coming up. And so I just put the phone on and let it record, and the stuff that came out of her mouth <laughs> through the whole thing was hilarious. She's yeah. like, no, Mommy, I'm going to do my ideas, only my ideas, not your ideas. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, And when it comes to editing your work, is that like a solo process for you? I mean, you're married to a photo editor, which is pretty funny. Like, is he, does Brad get involved and put his input or like, what's, what's your approach to editing your, editing your work? You and I keep that separate. Uh, that's smart. Smart move. Smart move. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then I'll go to him with like two choices and I'll say which one. Yeah. But that's pretty rare. But I tend, I have, you know, some people who I really trust and I show them the work. Yeah. He and I don't really go down that road, but I also know that I'm not the best editor of my own. I can pick out the top three photos, three or four from any given photo shoot. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to looking at the bigger group, I know I need help. 
And do you do you because when you're talking when you were uh, getting into photography, I know your your father had the cork board. You guys would print stuff. Do you still kind of do that now? Do you? I know some people make small prints or like how do you this the how do you approach the editing process? I used to do that a lot more. I had the you know the big whiteboard and I would put up all the five by sevens. We don't really have room for that here, so I just will tape some up yeah. when I can. I know at one point I had an application due, and I had the whole hallway covered in print. <laughs> and it, the way that works for me is that uh, I I just walk by them every day. And over time, you start to look and you think, okay, that one still holds my interest. This one, now that I've seen it for a couple of days, is not really doing anything special. Yeah. And that's the way you can separate the emotion you felt when you were making the photograph from the photograph that you actually got. Mm. And then it's a process of taking down the ones that don't work to see what you have left. Nice. Um, I guess to wrap up, like, what what's next for you? What, what's got you inspired now with photography or anything you're hoping to work on moving forward? Well, what's up next is the workshop with Leica. Yep. December, right? In December, December 8th through 10th. Yep. Um, and then I have another workshop coming up at LACP, the Los Angeles Center on Self-Portraiture, and a class at Main Media on looking back through all of your work and seeing what your patterns are and learning how to build on those to make more photographs. Let me see. I think that's it. That's a lot. You're cooking. You got galleries, workshops, all that stuff. Uh, it's exciting. Uh, <laughs> but Jennifer, I'm glad we did this. And uh, thanks for taking the time and being so honest and not only with your work, but coming out here to talk about it because uh, I really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people will be able to relate to it. Well, thank you. Thank It's been lovely. I really appreciate it. So there you have it. That was the Jennifer McClure interview. I uh, just want to thank Jennifer so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I really appreciated um, getting a chance to speak with her. Um, her work really resonated with me. Um, really just vulnerable work and takes guts to put yourself out there like that. Um, so can't thank her enough. Definitely go check out Jen, Jen's work at jennifermcclure.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at J-M-C-C-L-U-R-E photo. I'll put all the links in the description. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, uh, Jen has a, a brand new exhibit that's up at the Leica Gallery in Boston and is going to be teaching a workshop on December 8th through the 10th. Um, if you're interested, you can go to uh, Leica Academia uh, if you want to sign up for the workshop. Um, but like I said, I'll put all the links in the description so you can go check it out if you're interested. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.